0: From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And let me welcome you back to the Cannabis Podcast one more time. Maybe this is your very first visit. Well, if it is, an especially warm welcome for you. I hope you're looking for some information about cannabis because that's what we're going to fill the next 30 or 40 minutes with. Before we get too much further, let me remind you this program is intended only for those 19 or older in your jurisdiction and is intended purely for entertainment and perhaps educational purposes. You should always consume your cannabis responsibly. In this episode, I opine on my four years in cannabis retail and my hopes for the future – which does include cannabis consumption spaces, and then follow that up with a story about a couple who feel the same way about cannabis consumption spaces. I have a story I never thought I'd have about a man suing his wife for spiking his food with THC, 11 potential health benefits of cannabis, and we stop on Cultivar Corner for Doja's Okanagan Grown Ultra Sour, a tasty sativa. All of that and more on episode 143 of the Cannabis Podcast. As always, let me thank you for being a listener. I truly appreciate the fact that you're here. I also want to thank my supporters, Jordana, Keith, and Jordan at buymeacoffee.com slash cannabis podcast. You can go there too if you feel like it and you like what you hear. You can buy me a doobie or maybe three, just like Jordan did, to support me after the last episode. Truly appreciate that, Jordan. Thanks so much. At Patreon, I want to thank Tony, Rob, and Gage. And special thanks to Roger, who upped his membership to a podcaster. Truly appreciate the support, Roger. So if you feel so inclined, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Cannabis Podcast, or you can go to patreon.com. You can become a patron of the Cannabis Podcast, and you'll find links to each of those on the Cannabis Podcast main page. And let's start this episode with some positive notes. This is from 420intel.com. Top 11 Potential Health Benefits of Cannabis. Number one, alleviating pain. One of the recognized applications of cannabis is its potential for pain relief. The main compounds found in cannabis, THC and CBD, have displayed properties. By interacting with our body's system, they can help alleviate pain stemming from conditions such as arthritis or fibromyalgia. Diminishing inflammation Inflammation is a response triggered by our system following injury or infection. However, prolonged inflammation can contribute to health issues such as heart disease or autoimmune disorders. Researchers suggest the cannabinoids present in cannabis can potentially mitigate inflammation by modulating our response and inhibiting pathways. Managing epilepsy. Epilepsy is a disorder characterized by recurring seizures. Several studies have indicated that CBD can help manage seizures in epilepsy patients who do not respond well to medications. Enhancing sleep quality. Lots of individuals face sleep problems such as insomnia or sleep apnea. Cannabis has demonstrated its potential to offer calming effects, eventually helping improve the quality and duration of sleep. However, it's important to keep a check on the consumption, as regular usage might decrease REM sleep. Stimulating Appetite Loss of appetite is a concern among people undergoing chemotherapy or living with conditions such as HIV or AIDS. Cannabis has been traditionally used to boost appetite due to its ability to activate receptors in the brain. This can particularly benefit patients trying to regain weight or maintain an appetite alleviating anxiety and stress. Anxiety and stress are two major concerns in today's fast-paced society. Cannabis, rich in CBD, has shown relaxing properties, helping manage feelings of anxiety and stress. However, finding the right balance of dosage is crucial as overconsumption of THC may escalate anxiety levels in some individuals. Managing symptoms of multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis, or MS, is an autoimmune condition that affects the nervous system. People with MS often experience muscle spasms, pain, and difficulties with movement. Various studies have indicated that cannabis may be helpful in alleviating these symptoms by reducing muscle stiffness and pain associated with the disease. Treatment for Glaucoma Glaucoma is a condition characterized by increased pressure within the eye, which can damage the nerve and cause loss of vision. Researchers demonstrated that cannabis can effectively lower pressure providing relief for individuals suffering from glaucoma. However, it's important to note that its effects may only last for a few hours. Regular usage throughout the day might be necessary. Potential treatment for cancer. While further research is required in this field, initial findings suggest that cannabis might possess properties that can combat cancer. Certain cannabinoids have shown promise in inhibiting the growth of cancer cells and inducing cancer cell death in different types of cancer, such as leukemia. Protective effects on nervous system. Studies indicate that cannabinoids exhibit protective properties for the nervous system by reducing inflammation and oxidative stress in the brain. As a result, there have been investigations into their role in treating diseases like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease. Supporting mental well being. Conditions such as depression or post traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, can have an impact on a person's well being. As a result, individuals may often turn to cannabis as a form of therapy alongside treatments. This happens due to cannabis's potential positive effects on mood. However, it is important to remember that cannabis should not be viewed as a replacement for health care. The potential health benefits of cannabis emphasize the importance of research regarding cannabinoids' interaction with our bodies. While some individuals may find relief from conditions through the use of cannabis, it is crucial to approach its usage with caution and under guidance, also considering possible risks and side effects. As the scientific community continues exploring the properties of cannabis, staying informed becomes essential. And that's one of the reasons why the Cannabis Podcast exists, to help you stay informed about what's happening with cannabis. From the Cannabis Infused Studio in the Clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Having just completed almost four years, well, actually, if you combine both my time at Indigenous Bloom and at Spirit Leaf Kelowna, it it has been four years, a little over four years, I guess. Immersed in the retail side of cannabis, both from both perspectives. So I did start at the Indigenous Bloom store, which was on indigenous land. And that was actually back before we had any legal stores in Kelowna. Uh, They were the first to actually open. And I remember running out to that store right along with David Wiley, who was doing Okanagan Z and the Ounce.ca. I think we ran into each other in the parking lot because we were both so excited that there was a store in the Okanagan where we could buy cannabis. (laughs) Very, very exciting. And I followed that up soon after, I think by dropping a resume off. Because if there's a store, I wanted to have an opportunity to work at it. I was successful in my application and started at Indigenous Bloom, well, probably a couple weeks after that, I guess, maybe even just a week after. There were some growing pains in that because, as I say, that store on Indigenous land was not registered with the provincial body that was controlling cannabis stores. But our response when anybody came in and said, why are we here? Well, we're on Indigenous land under Indigenous cannabis laws. And that was really an interesting experience for me to spend that six months at Indigenous Bloom. The part I didn't like about it is I had a bit of a commute. It was about a 40-minute drive for me to head to work and get back home each day, and I didn't particularly like that. Enjoyed working there, though. Enjoyed the people there. And it was my first exposure to anything in terms of retail cannabis. Now, of course, in that regard, because they weren't following the guidelines of Health Canada, we had edibles in that store that were... I think we had 100-milligram brownies, I might be remembering it wrong, but they seem to have a lot of dosage in them. And then after getting a little bit tired of that commute and the drive to and fro, the opportunity arose at Spirit Leaf in Kelowna, where the license, well, actually the license had not yet happened. (laughs) I got together with the owner, Tarek Shabib, and we had a meeting. It was actually, I met Tarek or became aware of him after going to See Spirit Leaf in Vernon. Back in episode 24, I did an interview with Sarah Ballantyne. She was a new owner of the Spirit Leaf store in Vernon, which was one of the first in the Okanagan. You may remember, I went up, I did an interview with her and I also went up and took a look at the store to get a sense of what Spirit Leaf was bringing to the cannabis retail environment. I really enjoyed it. And Sarah told me about a fellow by the name of Tarek Shabib. Soon after I managed to contact Tarek, we had a meeting At a little restaurant, in fact, in the same plaza where the Spirit Leaf store was, had a great conversation. It appeared that we had some synergy in relation to our desire and and needs for selling cannabis. Later that day, after our meeting, he sent me a note, said, yeah, I want you to come and join me when I start this store. And then we waited and waited and waited. (laughs) It was something like between 8 and 12 months after that point where we had come to agreement before he finally got his license. <laughs> In fact, it was taking so long that I had had some discussions with some other cannabis stores, uh, the West Kelowna Spirit Leaf, and a brief discussion with them about perhaps coming over, and then also to Scotty Cannabis, which was another cannabis store which opened just literally within a half a block of where the West Kelowna Spirit Leaf is. And I had some discussions with them. And I was about two days of signing the agreement to come work for Sky Cannabis when I got a call from actually Mike of the West Kelowna store who told me Tarek Shabib had received his license and the Kelowna store would be opening soon. Well, that made my day. (laughs) I soon started working for Tarek soon after that. And it was in about six months of uh, starting at the store that I became the manager. And we started to build the reputation of Spirit Leaf Kelowna for a good source of cannabis. And as I see what's happened in the retail world, there is such a diversity of people out there. So many people coming through the retail world really are happy to be done with the days of of having to go to your dealer. Because remember, and I know there are still a lot of people that are going to their dealer. A lot of people still got their guy. In fact, many come into the store and talk about, I just need some weed because I can't get to my guy right now. Well, The problem that's expressed to me by many and and what I feel myself is going to the guy to get your weed. It was, you had to hang out and and you weren't necessarily best friends. (laughs) But because they didn't want that illusion of people coming in and out of the house, which clearly indicates that there's some drug dealing going on. (laughs) So you would need to spend some time sitting and talking, conversing, half an hour, 45 minutes. Whatever the time was, it was time that I didn't really want to spend there. And then, of course, you came out and you had no idea what kind of weed you had. You didn't go in and say, "Ah, can I get some sativa today? No, you got what was ever available today. (laughs) So that part of the fact that we have legalization for me is, is stupendous. I'm extremely happy about that. I am absolutely amazed at the diversity of customers that I saw in working in cannabis retail over the last four years. If you lined up all of these people and uh, made a determination about who was smoking cannabis, using the stereotypes that we've all grown up with, most of them you probably wouldn't have suggested. (laughs) And uh, nothing made me feel better than to have a a woman of, of senior age come in who clearly knew her weed, knew exactly what kind of weed she wanted, the experience she wanted, the terpenes that were associated to that experience, and, and just wanted you to help her. On the other side, you had the other ones coming in that had no knowledge, who still were under that. That ridiculous assumption fostered by reefer madness, the THC made you mad and insane. And still there are people who will see that THC symbol on a package and just freak out. Because it can't possibly be good for you. They, they just have no idea. No idea whatsoever. It was a hoot, I have to say. Working in retail, I'm going to miss that a little bit. But I'm still obviously going to stay deep ingrained in the industry. And what's going on with that? I'm going to miss it. But I plan to stay involved in cannabis. And... You know, when the regulars come in and and they're looking for their usual stuff and and you recognize them and and call them by name. So we got Brad, we got Ray, we got Don, We got a whole bunch of people. Alex, we used to talk about the Alex special. (laughs) Alex used to come in every day and he was looking for sugar-free drinks. And there was always three of them that he picked up. So it became known as the Alex special. (laughs) Truly enjoyed that experience. I really enjoyed the experience of working in cannabis of selling cannabis, of answering questions about people and their and their experience with cannabis and how we could help them do that. It was truly a hoot. I'm going to miss it. And as I say, I hope to still stay in, in tune, keeping in touch with the reps. I'll be popping back into Spirit Leaf to pick up my cannabis as well. I think I might even get a discount. <laughs> One of the biggest changes, I guess, that I saw over the course of those four years is the formats of the cannabis that we are selling. In those first few years in either store I was in, eights were the predominant market. Everything was in eights. And then slowly quarters kind of moved into the market. Some were experiencing that and then picking up that quarter and saving themselves a bit of money. And now, <laughs> now it's 14 grams and 28 grams that are becoming the predominant size for sale. And I'm kind of happy about that. With those three and a half grams, it was a good entry point, but you're spending, you know, somewhere between $20 and, and $40, $50 in the case of, of some aids. Move that up to a quarter, the cost comes down a little bit. Move that up to 14 grams. I have found that's my ideal weight in terms of consumption. When I pick up 14 grams of some weed, Like I've got Sherbo from Royal Harvest right now. Oh, loving the 14 grams of that. But 14 grams is enough to stay interested while you're continuing to smoke it. But the weed doesn't get stale, which I have found is sometimes happening when I buy an ounce. So the value of buying an ounce, obviously you're going to save a bit of money, but am I going to go through that in a quick enough time to make that ounce worthwhile? Whereas if I flip down to the 14 grams, that seems to be working. And I've been doing that for a a fairly long time now. that's one of the biggest changes. Of course, the other change, when we first started, there were no concentrates, there were no drinks. It was all just weed. And now the concentrates have entered into the market. And and here I am sitting with some black gas Indica Terp diamonds that's sitting at 82% THC. (laughs) So yeah, they do concentrates well now. (laughs) I've never spoken about it, but I actually do my concentrates in the Puffco uh, Plus. No, Puffco I can never remember the name of it when I'm looking at it. Ah, the Puffco Proxy, that's it. <laughs> I did finally remember it. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have smoked the joint before I started this. The Puffco Proxy is has been a discovery I have made and that has upped my concentrate game. I'm still doing some hashish. I still like the hashish that's out there. Uh, lots of new hash that's coming in, interestingly enough. That's another change that I've seen in the last four years in this industry. And some of the things that I am hoping we're going to see in the future, I'm hoping we're soon going to get to some consumption spaces. I had a story a few episodes ago about a restaurant in Edmonton being able to offer some cannabis-infused meals. We've got to get more to that point. We've got to have not only places that are offering infused cannabis to consume, but a place to consume cannabis, where we can go and, and and have some social times, just like people go and have a beer in the bar. So, will there be a bud? Maybe a bar to a bud. I guess that wouldn't make much sense, would it? <laughs> it's a change that I sure hope we see soon. I also hoping that we see the edibles dosage corrected sometime soon or adjusted sometime soon. I don't know if that's ever truly going to happen, but it's been a hoot. These last four years of working in retail cannabis has opened my eyes to a world that I didn't know existed when I was just going to my dealer (laughs) and when I was having those private conversations. Opening up that conversation to more and more people is better for all of us, helps to knock down that stigma and helps to increase the awareness and the understanding of what this marvelous plant cannabis can do for all of us. Thanks for letting me share some of that with you. And for our next story, we're going to tricitynews.com. And this is a story written by Janice Clue. A Coquitlam couple is calling on the provincial government to allow cannabis consumption spaces in B.C. Jeff and Vicki Curtis say they've facilitated more than a dozen social lounges at private events in Vancouver, Kelowna, on Vancouver Island, and in Alberta, where visitors 19 years and older can inhale, drink, or chew cannabis products. And in July, during the Ribfest weekend, they'll host a cannabis dab event to educate the Port Moody crowd. We've organized many events, so we kind of have this down pat. Jeff Curtis, a Pine Tree secondary graduate, told the Tri City News last month. We have a lot of support for what we're doing because it makes sense. As part of their businesses, True Courts, and Borough and Beyond, the Curtises have lobbied for action to spur cannabis tourism in BC. They've spoken before Coquitlam City Council, pressed the Tri City's mayors at a Tri City's Chamber of Commerce gathering, and presented their advocacy work at the Chamber's Business Expo. But for the most part, Civic politicians close their ears when they start talking cannabis lounges, they said. Still, the couple is getting a lift from the Chamber itself, as well as the Retail Cannabis Council of B.C. In a letter last April, Chamber CEO Leslie Corshens wrote that cannabis lounges would not only provide new business opportunities for our community, but also help to promote responsible and safe cannabis use. Jacqueline Pahoda, executive director of RCCBC, also noted in her letter to the Tri-City Councils that there is a public demand for cannabis space since the federal government declared recreation cannabis legal in 2018. Our members believe that as cannabis is legally integrated into our society, cannabis consumption spaces are no different than in their function from bars and pubs, which provide safe, regulated spaces for adults to consume alcohol, she wrote in her letter to Councils. Cannabis lounges and cafes represent the same social benefits, such as producing nuisance noise, impaired driving, and providing public education opportunities. Beholder cited a 2022 survey by the Ministry of Public Safety and Solicitor General, headed up by Port Coquitlam MLA Mark Farnworth, revealing 61% of telephone respondents backed cannabis lounges. The ministry told the Tri-City News it's reviewing the laws and restrictions that currently limit cannabis consumption in public spaces and considering changes that would allow for consumption in other types of spaces. As this work continues, it's important to note that cannabis consumption in cannabis retail stores is not authorized and smoking and vaping cannabis is subject to local and indigenous government rules and bylaws. While BC and Ontario are organizing their regulatory frameworks, Alberta does allow temporary designated cannabis consumption lounges at festivals and events. There are calls to expand the legislation to cities. In the U.S., there are now 10 states that allow some social consumption of recreation cannabis. Jeff Curtis said Germany, which is poised to legalize adult use cannabis this year, is studying Canada's rollout and lack of cannabis consumption spaces. The first thing they're addressing is where people can consume, he said. For our private events, of which the host has to provide the products, we have professionals or dab tenders who are educated in cannabis dosage, he added. It's like they're giving you an aromatherapy experience. At the end of the day, we just want to normalize this because there's still such a strong stigma out there and good on them. Glad to hear that they are pushing forward on consumption lounges, is something we need in B.C., and we need them yesterday. I love the way this industry changes so quickly when we weren't expecting it. After having done a couple of stories talking about consumption spaces for cannabis, lo and behold, this story came out from the Ounce.ca. Smoke them if you got them. New rules in B.C. state that wherever you can smoke or vape tobacco, whether it's bars, hotels, festivals, or other events and venues, you can now smoke and vape cannabis too. Not only that, the B.C. government also announced cannabis retainers and producers can now promote places where people can consume or hang out after consuming. That can include their own patios or picnic areas. That change was made quietly this week on February 14th through a bulletin on the province's website. And there was no accompanying news release. To support the legal cannabis industry in the province, the Liquor and Cannabis Regulation Branch, the LCRB, is making gradual changes to improve hospitality and tourism opportunities for the cannabis industry, says the bulletin. Additionally, smoking and vaping cannabis on public patios is now permitted, where smoking and vaping tobacco are already allowed, subject to local or indigenous government bylaws and other rules. The bulletin says local governments, indigenous nations, and police agencies are notified of these changes. B.C. Deputy Premier Mike Farnworth mused during an industry event last year in Kelowna that soon cannabis tourists could light up a pre-roll at a cannabis farm gate stop to test the goods. We'll look at whether there is a need to tweak regulations to allow farm gate store customers to buy a pre-roll and then smoke it outside at a picnic table, for example, to inform their decision about whether to make a larger purchase, he told a crowd in Kelowna last spring. Nearly a year later, it's coming to pass. A major caveat is that cannabis consumption is still not allowed in cannabis stores. Licensees must ensure any cannabis consumption near their store is not within their establishment, says the Bulletin. While you can't consume inside, you can consume nearby. That means cannabis stores can have a picnic area next to their establishment and can tell their customers they can consume cannabis at the picnic area as long as the picnic area is not part of the establishment, the picnic area abides by other rules, such as the Tobacco and Vapor Products Control Act and Regulation, local and indigenous bylaws do not prohibit cannabis consumption in that space. You'll soon see more cannabis logos on posters. To help allow promotion, the province is lifting restrictions on Section 5.7.7 of the Retail Handbook that disallows advertising and branding that could indicate that a licensee is associated with another business. The move is to ensure licensed and non-licensed businesses have equal opportunity to participate in cannabis advertising. For example, cannabis stores can now promote an outdoor consumption space, for example, a patio, at another business, says the bulletin. The bulletin notes that licensees must continue to comply with the Federal Cannabis Act and relevant local bylaws with respect to restrictions around cannabis advertising and promotions. Well, we've come a long way, and this is a great first step for cannabis consumption spaces announced very quietly on a government website with no accompanying news release. Did they really want us to find out about it? <laughs> well, now we know, and we can celebrate just a wee little bit. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Go to my corner. go to La corner. oh yeah. Explain this stuff to me. Welcome back to Cult of Our Corner. seems like a strange introduction, doesn't it? <laughs> Simply because things are a little bit different. As you heard in a previous episode, I have retired and this is my job now. <laughs> and I'm so stoked about it. I'm getting some reviews out there. They're really making me feel good. On Cultivar Corner today, in our new setup, and our new methodology, we're about to do Doja Okanagan Grown Ultra Sour. I love doing local weed, and this is about as local as it gets. Okanagan Grown Ultra Sour, it's rather a long name, (laughs) but we'll deal with it, and we pop the bag. This is a seven gram Doja Ultra Sour. Been moving into the seven grams, lately to just get a bit more product. Oh, 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 wow. Oh, now that is a bountiful aroma. So, what do we got for terps in here? My terps is sitting at 3.28. Oh, so. Mmm. Those sour notes, those citrus notes. Holy crow, those come through in flying colors. Pull out one of these buds from my seven grams. I'm liking this. You've heard me talk about before about, about the nugs. That are coming out of these bags. And, and some of the nugs that I've been pulling out, they're so hard and so stiff. These guys aren't. These guys are really nice, still lots of cushy, lots of pushback on it. As I squeeze that bud, oh, oh, and the aromas are just bountiful, just bountiful. Now, let's take a gander at the weed. Let me pull out my jeweler's loop and let's take a look at what we got in here. It's a very dark flower. It's it's kind of a dark green. And I'm not seeing a lot of color on the pistils. There's some red, there's some orange. But it's predominantly one color is what I'm seeing across this weed. There's some fair trichome fields as I look at that through my jeweler's loop. And of course, as I break up each of those buds, (laughs) the aroma just becomes... More potent, I guess, is the word that I'm looking for. So let's give you a sense of what Doja Ultra Sour is. First of all, we're going to talk about Doja themselves. And my props go out to Becky, the rep who represents Doja in the Okanagan, does a fine job, and let's say hi to Penny too. (laughs) That's Becky's dog, by the way. So, this Doja Ultra Sour, let me give you a sense of what Doja is all about. Let's go back to the core description of Doja. For those who are West Coast in spirit, Doja was born amid the natural beauty and abundance of British Columbia's Okanagan Valley with rebellious spirit and a love for the land. Perfecting the craft of cannabis cultivation is our passion. From genetics to curing to trimming, we produce only premium cannabis products uncompromising on the small stuff that makes a big difference. With heritage standards and innovative plant science, we aspire to make each batch better than the one that came before it. Their core collection includes weed strains and cannabis products available in British Columbia and in other provinces and territories. The core collection is cultivated using methods true to their decades-long legacy of growing in BC's Okanagan Valley. Combining old-school technique and plant science, we're guided by nature, leaning into the plant's grow tendencies to ensure only the best bud. So now let's talk about Okanagan grown ultra sour. Available exclusively in British Columbia, and my apologies for that. <laughs> if you were somewhere where you can't get this weed, after I've told you how good it is and that you want to have a sample of it, you may have to come to BC to get it. Formerly known as Doja Dream, this sativa dominant weed strain is descended from MK Ultra and East Coast Sour Diesel. It delivers high levels of THC and low CBD. Ultrasour's Okanagan-grown, hang-dried, handcrafted buds are pale green with amber pistils and are frosted with glistening trichomes. And that's a very accurate description of the buds that I pulled out of that bag. A heady terpene mix of terpinoline, limonene, and caryophylline give Ultrasour its bold, spicy aromas of citrus with sweet notes on the finish, calling to mind a hike through the Okanagan from grove to forest. Tended by small, dedicated grow teams, Ultra Sour is grown in an environment customized to the needs of the plant, dried low and slow for optimal moisture content, hand trimmed to capture the best bud. Well, the range on this guy was sitting at a 19 to 29% THC. On my seven gram bag, my THC decided to stop at 29.2. And we've already talked about the terpenes. Let's give you the breakdown on the terpenes. Total 3.28 in terms of the percentage terpinaline, the most dominant terpene, terpinoline at 1.18%, beta-caryophylline at 034 and beta-myrcene at 0.29%. Aromas lemon, citrus, spicy, and sweet. And boy, that is sure true when you stick your nose in that bag. <laughs> All righty, let's get some weed to smoke. Time to get my joint rolled and prepped. Been looking forward to doing this one for a while. I always like to get some Okanagan weed and see what kind of delights it's going to provide for us, especially when it's a sativa. here we are, as i as I promised to do every time I do a cultivar corner. It's going to be the first weed that I've smoked that day to get a true sense of of how it hits me and where and <laughs> and how deep it hits me. So I've got my joint rolled. Let me roll off a little bit of while I don't. I have the weed for my joint rolled. And let me pull off a little bit of that to get ready for my Air Max from a riser. Still using that, thanks to the folks at a riser and still enjoying the Air Max. We got some weed in the Air Max. We got the temperature in the Air Max climbing. It's a very popular weed. There's a lot of people that buy this one or have in the past. And here we are. The Air Max is almost a temperature. My joint is at temperature because joints don't need to warm up. <laughs> And here it is. This is Doja Okanagan Grown, Ultra Sour, THC 29.2, my turps at 3.28%. Well, oh, that's a smooth inhale on the smoke. Definitely those citrus notes. Alrighty, so again, terpinaline, beta-caryophylline, beta-myrcene, our primary terps. And I find caryophylline gives it a bit of those peppery smells. The terpinoline, definitely some of those, uh, those citrus notes. Definitely some of that tang. Hmm. Really liking how that is tasting. So now, let's truly see how it tastes with the Ariser Air Max. Oh, wow. (laughs) To this day, I'm still amazed at the difference between smoking a joint and pulling it off the dry herb vaporizer. So much more of those citrus notes coming in a little bit of the spiciness on the exhale. Mm -mm -mm. I'm looking for some of those fine sativa effects to kick off my day and get some things done. Uh, Starting to feel a little rush in my head. It's not moving into happy eyes at this stage. Just kind of giving me a rush. And we mix it up between the vaporizer and the joint. Interesting when you look at the lineage of Ultra Sour. Started out on the left hand side with G13 and OG Kush combined. That brought you to MK Ultra. Now, on the right hand side, we had a phenol derived from sour diesel added to East Coast sour diesel. We put those four ingredients together from the right and the left side. That brings us to Ultra Sour. <laughs> and here's the euphoria that I've been hoping for. One of my favorite aspects of cannabis smoking. As you well know, if you have been smoking cannabis for any length of time, that initial euphoria that hits you with your first smoke of the day, <laughs> there's just something magical about it. It just sets, the, sets your receptors ablazing. <laughs> And suddenly here I am in a stone not a stone stupor but stoned because <laughs> I I hardly ever do, drop into the stupor side oh but this is really nice right in my head oh feeling really stoned right now Lots of euphoria but it's clear I, I got some clear headspace going on I don't feel that I'm gonna dive into <laughs> well. I'm not going to say that I won't be distracted by something. I, oh, look at that. There's a spider. <laughs> it can happen even when you're not smoking cannabis, but it certainly can happen when you were smoking cannabis. So, still working on the first joint to the Ultra Sour, and yeah, it's a really nice headstone. I'm liking it. The euphoria continues to build. Still a lot of clarity. I'm not getting muddy. That's often a phrase that I will use when, when I talk about some weed, where it makes my head less clear, less unsure about the direction I'm going. <laughs> Very happy with the direction this is going, and that is straight up to the stratosphere. Enjoying the experience, enjoying the smoke, enjoying the taste. <sighs> and let's get one more. Oh, my goodness sakes. Let's get one more hit out of my vaporizer. Oh, you just taste it so much in that manner. So, grown in the Okanagan, doing some nice stuff with that Okanagan sun, although it's probably in a greenhouse, so they don't get much sun. (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes you just head down the path and your mouth says some words, and you're not sure where they're going to come from or what direction they're going to (laughs) go. Seven grams of Doja Okanagan-grown, ultra-sour, Ah, TAC at 29.2%, my Terps at 3.28%. Delightful smell, delightful aroma, nice and sticky weed, nice and, and uh, aromatic weed. Hmm. Uh, disappointments? I perhaps was thinking that the flowers were going to be a little bit brighter. Uh, they're they're kind of pale in their greenness, but I'm not going to fault that if it gives me the right buzz. And I don't have a lot of things that are going to go wrong in that. My bag was good. Most of my buds are all of a fairly good size. Not a whole lot of popcorn buds in there. The occasional one, of course, because you still got to fill up that seven grams. But I had a couple of really nice nugs. Look like perhaps two or three grams in and of themselves. Nice little bag, enjoying that. (sighs) Nice little high. (laughs) I just love my job. (laughs) I truly do. And here we are again, another cultivar corner, Comes to a riotous conclusion. Gary stoned, ready for another day. And I want to thank Doja Okanagan, Crowed Ultra Sour for the effects. Ah, it's going to be a nice day. Sharing stories about good weed while trying good weed. This is the Cannabis Podcast. Now, this is an odd story, and this is from the TimesColonist A Victoria man sues wife for damages after discovering food spiked with THC. A Victoria man has filed a lawsuit against his wife after she admitted to spiking his breakfast cereal and other food with THC oil, a cannabis byproduct, in what she said was an attempt to treat his pain and anxiety. The drug had made Darren Leith, an investor-realtor, unable to do his job properly, and he lost income and opportunities to earn income, according to a lawsuit he's filed in B.C. Supreme Court against Molly Leith. He also suffered intangible loss, including anger. Distress, humiliation, wounded pride, damaged self-confidence, trauma, and the loss of faith in others, it said. None of the allegations has been proven in court. Darren Leave said he asked his wife if she had drugged his cereal after he noticed an oily substance in the bowl she had poured for him one morning almost two years ago. He didn't have time to eat that day, so he had put the cereal back in the cereal box as he was rushing to leave the house, and he noticed the oil, it said. Before that day, his wife, an addictions counselor, had been suggesting he take tetrahydrocannabinol the psychoactive ingredient commonly called THC, for his pain. And she had bought the oil several times. Darren Leith, who has more than 14 years of recovery from alcoholism, refused to take it, saying it caused him anxiety, restlessness, and fatigue. And only when his pain from his hip, back, and knees was debilitating would he use THC or CBD oil very sparingly and for limited periods of time, the lawsuit said. When asked about the THC in the cereal, the wife denied drugging his food, the lawsuit alleged. Darren Leith bought urine test strips, and for five weeks, the test came back positive, it said. When he confronted his wife in June 2022 with the positive test, the defendant admitted she had been lacing the plaintiff's food with THC to help him with his anxiety, it alleged. Darren Lee said he suffered insomnia, fatigue, agitation, restlessness, anxiety, harm to his relationships, digestion problems, and weight gain, and is claiming damages for those losses. As a result of being drunk by the defendant... The plaintiff suffered marked disability and loss of enjoyment of life, including a loss of genuine, mindful interactions with his children, it said. The claim adds he is also claiming punitive damages, which are rarely granted in Canada, and are designed to serve as retribution, deterrence, and denunciation. The actions of the defendant were malicious, high-handed, and depart markedly from ordinary standards of decency so as to attract punitive damages, the claim said. Darren Leith had been taking pharmaceutical medications to treat his chronic fatigue and anxiety, and since he stopped ingesting THC, his fatigue and anxiety subsided, it said. And there is a really interesting story from the Times columnist in Victoria. And once again I want to thank you for being a listener of the Cannabis Podcast. I so appreciate the fact that you were here. And now let's end with a joke, and this time it's an actual joke. A police officer stopped me and searched my pockets. He found a bag of weed. "'Oh, what have we here?' Uh, "'It's not mine, officer,' he scoffed. "'I'm serious. I was cursed by a leprechaun. You know what scallywags they are. Now every single time I flush this chronic down the toilet, it magically reappears in my pocket.' "'I don't believe you.' "'Try me.' He frowns, but follows me as we head to the bathroom in the café. I take out the cannabis, flush it down the crapper. He checks my pocket and asks, "'So where's the bag of weed?' And that's it for episode 143 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked, the podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked, the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.